Welcome to Smooth Operator, the podcast that explores affiliate marketing and digital media. I'm your host, Blake Saunders. I'll be guiding you through this fascinating world by interviewing the brilliant minds and innovative leaders that shape it. Get ready to be inspired as we uncover the secrets to success in the world of content, commerce, and beyond. In each episode, we'll dive deep into the strategies and tactics that have propelled our guests to the forefront of this industry. Smooth Operator is your go-to source for staying ahead in the ever-evolving digital media space. Subscribe now, and let's get started on this exciting journey together. Today, we have a special guest joining us, Bryce Weidlitz from Impact. Bryce is a seasoned expert in partnership networks and affiliate marketing. He played a critical role in the success of content and commerce at one of the largest media organizations, CNN. During his time at CNN, Bryce created CNN Underscored, which became a massive revenue stream for the company. In this episode, Bryce takes us on a journey through his background, sharing how he discovered the power of affiliate marketing and performance-driven partnerships. We'll explore the challenges he faced and the strategies he employed to push the rates higher and secure lucrative direct deals. Bryce's insights will inspire both established publishers looking to grow faster and aspiring entrepreneurs seeking effective ways to monetize their audience. So get ready to be captivated by Bryce's experience and learn invaluable lessons on hiring, building successful partnerships, and staying ahead of the ever-changing landscape of content and commerce. Let's dive right in. This episode of the Smooth Operator podcast is brought to you by Bullwhip, the leading affiliate performance intelligence and revenue optimization platform for premium publishers. Whether you're an enterprise publisher or premium niche site, Bullwhip can help you optimize audience growth, page engagement, and yield to accelerate your affiliate revenue growth. Head over to bullwhip.io and sign up for a demo to learn how Bullwhip can help you scale and optimize your affiliate business today. Bryce, why don't we get started by just having you tell us a little bit about your background? Awesome. Yeah, really excited to be here. So thanks for having me, Blake. Uh, Background has always been in digital businesses and growing digital businesses and really found my passion in the past eight years or so in commerce, partnerships, and affiliate marketing. But really all started uh, after college, started a company called designyourdorm.com, aimed to revolutionize how people shop before going to their dorm room, wore multiple hats, biz dev, sales, accounts receivable, marketing, you name it. And that's where I really grew passionate about growing businesses online, went and took some sales roles, kind of account executive, business development for digital companies. And then I really found my calling at CNN, where I came to do business development at CNN, helped to monetize the CNN site in different ways, away from traditional ads and sponsorships, and kind of stumbled into affiliate and getting paid on a a CPC, CPA, kind of lead gen basis, and really in how to develop lucrative partnerships. Uh, So I, I founded CNN Underscored, the reviews and recommendations section of CNN, grew from zero people to about... 40 plus as a team and a, a massive diversified revenue stream for CNN. And then about a year ago, I came to, to impact.com, uh, focusing on our publisher platform, Trackonomics, and also recently acquired Pressboard. So I oversee sales, account management, and some of our new revenue driving biz dev kind of initiatives. So that's probably more than 60 seconds, but uh, gives a good recap on, on my background and what I'm passionate about. Just to double click on the beginning of your career, you mentioned these different roles of business development where you were working with clients. At what point did you figure out that affiliate and performance marketing could drive really good results and and you started to lean more into it? Yeah, it's funny. I didn't really like categorize it as a affiliate, but I mean, when I was at in my first job at Design Your Dorm co-founder, we were 
the product was dragging and drop products into a room. And then we worked in, as an Amazon associate. It was Commission Junction back in the day. But I didn't really think of it as that. We were just trying to do whatever we could to take products that you know we didn't warehouse. But I'd say it really started at CNN where you know we had these uh, links on CNN that went to other websites as like a audience development partnership. And my focus was on how to make them monetizable partnerships. And so that's really where I started in affiliate was converting those kind of link exchanges to monetary exchanges and finding the right partners. So, you know, the audience at CNN is wealthier, they make a certain amount, they own a home. And so finding the right partners that made sense for them. And that's really where it took off in terms of the most lucrative double digit million dollar opportunities just from sending leads off of the website. To get into the CNN experience, there's an article I actually forwarded to you. You may have seen it before I forwarded it, but it was in the New York Times and it talks about Discovery dismantling a lot of what CNN had built. So firing different commentators, turning off CNN Plus. And there was only really two interesting parts of the CNN business that they're excited about. One of those was CNN Underscored. And it's something it sounds like that you really started and, and helped grow. So why don't you give us just a sense of the beginnings at some point, you were probably just testing a few things, but when did you think that you had a real business? And then just walk us through how you started to get the internal support to continue to grow that business. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a journey, but you know, my again passion was finding partnerships that made sense. And so, as we started driving traffic off the site to financial partners, just as a way to diversify revenue, you know, started to think, wow, this really works. Then we try different types of lead gen products. And then I thought, well, is anyone willing to buy something? Like are they're they're willing to fill up form or you know, refinance the mortgage? Are they willing to buy products? And then started to look at uh, using a sub-affiliate network. Like we would write, I found that we were sending hundreds, thousands, or lots of traffic off the site to merchants and product sites, but we didn't have any data on it. So used a sub-affiliate company to basically tell us what was happening. And essentially like opened the doors into visibility on what happened once a user left the site. And then that really was eye-opening. Like Without even trying, we were generating sales every day. And then after a few months of like working alongside editorial leadership to say like, hey, can we try this? Can we try that? They just were like, hey, this, you know, I made a business case. Around the same time, the wire cutter was acquired by New York Times. And they said, no, well, why don't you build it? So yeah, I hired one business person and two on the editorial side. And it was very much a test and learn, but it was, you know, quite a very long historical journalistic organization. So really had to not take no for an answer and, and really make sure we delivered on the journalistic front, not opportunistic revenue, but really like making sure that every article was strong instead of just trying to make immediate bucks. Obviously we had the traffic, but that doesn't mean that we were getting traffic to the new initiative. So it was a lot of trial and error and testing and learning. And and then uh, we were able to scale. Got it. What were you originally hired for at CNN when you joined? Originally hired to do partnerships. So we, we had a few different partnerships and to manage them. But I kind of found in all my historical roles, like I think only once in my career was like, you're a partnerships manager. This is what partnerships managers do. It's always been, hey, we've never had this role before. Can you come in and figure it out? So then I was the first person hired in this role at CNN under my boss at the time. And, you know, it was to manage partnerships. But then I said, like, there's so much opportunity. I want to go after this, this and this. And she basically enabled me to go after where I saw opportunity. So at first, it was 
kind of managing the partnerships we had and growing them. And then it was finding new opportunity. So I found new opportunity a few different times, but the biggest opportunity was related to affiliate and then led to underscored. From a product perspective, do you hire this small team and then you start writing articles or what is your first sort of MVP? And then what does success look like in the first six to 12 months? It was a grind. We had to keep it separate from the news organization. So had to hire separate writers. We did need a kind of homepage article page that we could distinguish from the rest of the site. But yeah, it was literally just writing content, getting some placements in very non-prominent uh, locations, at least when we had to build it out. And then over time, built trust internally and got more support. But yeah, in terms of trial and error, it was literally on the editorial side, trying all kinds of different merchants, categories, beauty, fashion, tech, lifestyle, health, services. And then on the business side, developing relationships so that we can you know, make sure that we have those categories covered from a CPA perspective, conversion perspective. And then after six months, we started to see trends. Let's just say like maybe Macy's and Forever 21, just random examples, didn't work, but like Nordstrom killed it. And so anytime we'd write about a dress or a fashion item, we should link to Nordstrom because that is what did well. And that's what the audience was seeing. I always joke that we discovered that our audience loved DNA kits. And so we found there was a big holiday called DNA Day and you know sold a ton of DNA kits during that day. And so you just kind of build and learn and compound learnings. And then it really did take six months before it started to really take off. And then again, built the trust internally. We could back it up with conversion rates, click-through rates, and then ultimately revenue that this is something the audience wants. During that time, were you adding other things in like white labeling of coupons? Yep. That was exactly what we were doing. So trying to find different ways in the user journey to making a purchase. So launched CNN coupons as well, You know, launched a CNN store, and launched other ways of diversifying revenue. Underscored is, or at least was, the main driver. But again, trying to find audience wherever they were and wherever they were in the shopping journey to make a purchase. But yeah, we did diversify. We did also create a kind of branded commerce article template where brands could pay to buy an article. It was a different team that we created, another different template. But that was something else that we did that was successful as well. At what point did you move from this smaller team? When did you get the internal validation where they said, okay, here's a checkbook, go build it out? Or was it always this slow build incremental over time? No, I think it it really took, it was like a, a solid year and a half. And then we had proven that content resonates, it converts, the revenue's there. And I knew kind of what we needed to do to grow. And so I'd say about a year and a half. And then I said, I think we need this to do this in terms of revenue, hired key editorial leadership role, hired some people in business and analytics, and then hired some partnership people, but hired a ton of editorial people. But it took a year and a half to build the trust and get internal support all the way at the highest levels. And then after that, we were able to hit those numbers and we were able to continue to get the resources we need to grow the business after that. Did you position any sort of goals, benchmarks, like as the business was growing, what are the numbers that you were looking at? What were you concerned about in terms of maybe conversion, CPA numbers? Like what were you focused on on a daily slash weekly basis? Yeah, ultimately, I mean, this was a journalistic organization that the goal was to 
provide valuable recommendations. But at the end of the day, it was intended to make money. It's not you know news. It's a different type of service journalism. So at the end of the day, we started this as a way to diversify revenue. Revenue was the key factor for investment and growth. So we looked at editorial metrics like click-through and conversion. I always say that page views are helpful, but they don't really matter if you get a million page views and you get one conversion. I'd take a thousand page views and two conversions or even 1.5 any day over a million page views because that means you're, you're writing content that resonates. So we really looked at revenue was the main factor, but we felt like if we were driving revenue, that meant that we had built trust, we had built support, and we had built an audience and that people wanted to buy it. If we were writing about things that people didn't care about or they weren't converting, there would be no revenue. You touched on this a little bit ago about the branded certification. Would you call it an award or just a badge? Uh, so it's called like a, that's basically licensing. So it is a badge and it depends. I mean, it was eye opening when I started to learn about that this is a part of the business. My old boss and mentor used to joke that the business was like a, an octopus. There was just like so many tentacles that could go off in, in commerce. But yeah, I mean, what's crazy is if you look at big businesses that have hospital awards and rankings, you just assume that they get those awards and rankings, but they have to actually pay for those badges or like best college, best hospital, like they have to pay for those badges. And similar when you see a commercial for Bose and it says best headphones, according to Wired or PC Mag or CNN Underscored, it started to be really eye-opening that like we would write the articles independently and editorially. But then after that, a brand could come and say, hey, we want to license this, put it on our packages. It gives it more strength and support versus Bose saying that they think they're the best, having someone else say it. So I'd say that came also like a year and a half after where we had started to build trust. You know, I'd say like it takes, from what I've heard, three to five years to really develop a strong licensing business. But there's some businesses that probably make more in licensing than they do in affiliate commissions. Well, I remember seeing those badges like when you were when you would go to Best Buy to buy products in person and you would see them on the boxes. You know, exactly. like, hey, this is the the wire, or this is the the CNET. But you never probably thought that they had to pay to use that. Or at least I never thought that they had sure. to pay yeah. to have that. Or like, you know, at universities. JD Power is another big one. Exactly. Was it your boss who said we should license or did one of your customers say, hey, I got we got this awesome ranking from CNN. We actually want to put it on, on our website. Yeah, they came inbound. Yeah, they said, we want to use this. And we had at CNN, like every news or media business that's large enough has a licensing arm. And they came to our licensing arm and said, hey, we want to use this. And then I said, that's really interesting. And then I kind of took ownership of it and then worked with the third party um, internal teams to make it happen. So they, it was because of inbound, not because something that I, I knew about it, but it wasn't until we started getting inbound that it became a thing. Just going back, just one quick question on the partnerships. How quickly were you able to push up the rates from just what was on the rack to some very, you know, probably more lucrative direct deals because you're driving more traffic and you're a better partner to them? Yeah, well, fortunately for me, I made a a really strong hire in the beginning where she was at CJ before an affiliate and then at Bankrate and, and knew the business really well. But still, at large media organizations, you, you can't just check the T's and C's. You have to redline the agreement. You can't just opt in. So it, it, it would take a while to kind of get new relationships with new platforms and networks. But I would say it took us about three to six months 
to get new platforms on. And then once you're on the platform, it's pretty easy going direct to the merchant. And so it could, you know, overnight go from 3% to 15% or 5% to 12%. And if you're making 60K a year from a, a merchant at, at 5%, you do that, you know, you 3X to 15, it happens several times, you know, that's 180K and you do that a dozen times, you know, we're paying someone a decent salary, that's a 5X ROI. And so it happened pretty quick, I think. But a lot of publishers, I wouldn't say like, <laughs> I can say this because I was there for eight years, but you sometimes just go with what's easy and can get a little bit lazy. But actually, there's huge, immense value in partnering and negotiating commission rates versus just settling for what's easy. But it does take effort, for sure. Right? It's an understatement to say it's easy. You just join the network. You partner. Like A lot of the times, the brand doesn't know who you are. They don't want to work with someone they don't know. So it takes a dedicated person or a team. But once you have that, that's where you can take off and grow three, 500% year over year. One of the things with this podcast that I, I really want to do is dig into, and this is why Huron is is have really good operators. And one of the things I think that's not covered that well, just in general, is hiring, right? So you mentioned it was basically one person who helped really drive that initiative. So just curious how you approach recruiting at CNN. So just kind of walk us through that whole journey from finding them to interviewing them and then convincing them to join. Yeah. I mean, it is funny because it's not like with in terms of content commerce, obviously like Wirecutter has been around for a long time, but there's not many people that have been doing it for that long. And, and the ones that have are mostly all still in their posts at their respective media companies where they've maybe started as a manager and now they're VP or SVP or EVP. And They've all seen it grow and build. So yeah, hiring is you know, something that's critical. There's definitely things that I'm not good at. But one of the things that I found that I am pretty good at is hiring. But it's really, I think, took a lot of me. We did have an HR team, of course, and I do it every job. But I think you have to partner with your HR person and also source the leads. It was a hybrid. So both of my two best hires did come in from HR. But I would say the other editors... The other folks on the business team came from DMs on LinkedIn and finding people or knowing people and being like, I really wanted them. And so I think it is a partnership business and it is a really small world. So, you know, when I was at obviously CNN, I knew Leilani from Wirecutter, Anila from BuzzFeed, or Breton from Business Insider, or Jackie from you know, New York Post, or, you know, you go through the list and you kind of develop this little network. And then you also, you never want to steal from someone else, but um, ultimately it's their decision. But I think a lot of the things that I did was really look at their relative work. And then we always had kind of edit tests on the editorial side, and then kind of some business tests in terms of a project we would give them that would enable you to see how they performed. So they didn't just get started. You had some sense of their work. But again, it was a close partnership with HR, but then there hasn't been a single role ever where I didn't DM or message someone mm -hmm. as well. What's something... So you're searching on LinkedIn. Are you searching for job titles or did you go to companies and go through who they have? Both. There? Like, yeah. Give us some I, okay. Yeah. So I would, I would go to companies. Ideally, it was mainly companies that I didn't have like friends uh, working at. So I didn't want to poach their people. Sometimes they would apply and then that would be cool. But a lot of times it would, you know, create a list from all the commerce uh, organizations that I think are doing great or those ones that are, you know, aren't as massive and then find those people and message them. And then it was just putting in the, the, the title 
that's how I found the two first uh, editors at CNN was literally just put in commerce editor or commerce writer and would then just message them, obviously make it exciting about what we're building, give them the vision. It was easy at, at CNN with you know the, the brand name, just put that in the, the LinkedIn message and yeah. it was pretty easy to get a response. But now it's also, it's easy because it's more broad, like everybody's doing sure. commerce content as a publisher. Got it. So you gave us a preview of your next role, but why don't we hop into that? So now you're at Impact, uh, specifically the business unit Traconomics. Would love to learn a little bit more about what you're doing day to day. And then also, more generally, sort of where you see the growth challenges for publishers, because I think that's who you're helping. Yeah. So, you know, eight years is a long time to be at a company. And I had built two or three different businesses while I was at CNN. And I think a good uh, testament to a, a good leader and manager is hiring people that are excellent and then not necessarily making their job obsolete. But I just found that we hired a bunch of great people and then they hired great people and then they hired great people. And I, there wasn't things that I could sink my teeth into. And when there was new things that came up, like a day of deals or you know some kind of new event that could drive revenue, we had people in place on the team that should be allocated and assigned to doing that. So just frankly, like you know, eight years is a long time. I was ready for something new, but really, my passion is in you know creating products that help publishers to better monetize. So I was kind of talking with non economics and then um, just in conversation, it seemed like a, a really good opportunity to go to impact.com where there was a, a lot of opportunity to work with tons of publishers and also bring them new and unique products to help them monetize. So, so yeah, so I oversee the subscription publisher products and from a sales account perspective, and then also those new products that we can help publishers to monetize. Got it. And then I know Impact likes to not use the term affiliate or performance marketing, but just to give people context, Impact is a, an affiliate network. What's the best way of explaining yes. it? I The best way to explain it, I had to catch myself too several times, but it's basically, I would describe it as a partnerships platform where you can create any type of partnership that you want. Could be brand to brand, could be publisher to brand, publisher to publisher. But basically, you know, Impact has the technology for contracting, flexibility for payments, for first click, last click. It's essentially a partnerships platform that allows you to create any type of partnership. And who are some of your competitors? Just so people have a sense of kind of yeah. what they're like. Yeah. Yeah. From like, I mean, uh, it would be other, you know, quote, affiliate platforms on the impact side. So like a CJ or a win, share a sale, pepper jam, partner eyes, you know, any of the other affiliate platforms where they sure. have an opportunity to join a platform and get access to publishers. That is a competitor. Going back to your day-to-day with publishers, what are publishers talking to you about in terms of their fears or how they're maybe preparing for advertising pullback? Yeah, I mean, we started, we've, we've obviously talked about it a lot. And, you know, when there was COVID, which not necessarily a recession, but you did see brands pull back on their affiliate spend, which to me is just, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I'm just, it's confusing because that's a channel where you're paying based on a conversion, not paying for a click or a page view in most cases. And publishers are just, I mean, they're finding ways to diversify, you know, like the stuff that was popular a year or two ago in terms of like home office, so, you know, workout equipment for the house, like comfy pants. Like I think people have bought in all their comfy pants and workout stuff and office desks. 
and chairs, but people now want other things. Like they're looking at travel again. They're looking at I don't know, maybe not like a, in the finance space right now, but they're looking at other things than they were before. So it's really key, not just from a revenue perspective, but from a content perspective to diversify and see what the trends are, what people are doing. So I think like so far have not seen a, I mean, there's obviously been a dip from like the surge that we saw a year or two years ago. You know, you heard about Shopify and layoffs because they thought that trajectory would continue, but it hasn't. But so it's about just, again, really being inside the data what brands are working for publishers, what's not working, but then leaning into it, increasing commission. So it's just being really in touch with performance and then optimizing from there. Well, this has been really informative, Bryce. Thanks for your time today. I think the listeners will enjoy uh, hearing about your journey at CNN because some of them might be inside of large publishers right now trying to figure out how to grow faster and others might be just starting their own site and they want to figure out different ways of monetizing the audience. So really helpful. Yeah, my pleasure. And I would just say like in you know closing, obviously, like not every site, um, I was I was very fortunate to have the fire hose of traffic, but not every site has a ton of traffic, but also not every site has the journalistic organization and editorial integrity of 30, 40 plus years that you can't just get away with things that you might be able to get away with that other leaner, smaller, nimble and flexible organization. So I'd say like, just because he doesn't have traffic doesn't mean that you can build a business. Like you got to start somewhere, find what works. Maybe it's the second tier, third tier, fourth tier search keywords. Maybe it like something resonates on TikTok. But I'd say the biggest thing, no matter the size of publish you are, is just trying a ton of different things and then leading into what's working. That's essentially what we did, and that's essentially what all you know. Even small publishers making a thousand or two thousand a month, you can get to ten or twenty thousand a month even without a massive audience. So just a a reminder that you just have to persevere and, and keep trying different things. And that wraps up another enlightening episode of the Smooth Operator Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Bryce Weidlitz from Impact. His journey and expertise in the world of performance and affiliate marketing have provided us with valuable insights and strategies to drive success in the industry. Stay tuned for more episodes where we bring you the stories of exceptional individuals who have made their mark in the world of performance marketing. Don't forget to subscribe to the Smooth Operator podcast on your favorite podcast platform and share this episode with your friends and colleagues who are as passionate about the industry as we are. Until next time, keep innovating, keep optimizing, and keep operating smoothly.